Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another awesome episode of the Biff Bites Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Mee, and joined this week by the one and only Mr. Mike, the Biff Man Lawn. Biff Man, go! That's how Adam and I used to answer the phone. Whenever we would call each other, we would just say, Biff Man, go! <laughs> And yeah, start answering the phone just, for students that way. <laughs> uh, we should, and, and then it, uh, and and then it became just go. <laughs> oh, so maybe dude. we need to bring that back. <laughs> excellent, excellent. I think so. I think that's how you should answer the phone always. <laughs> well, I, I, I I'm encouraged to do so. And I until you told me the last time we were together that. It's still on my uh, voicemail yep. for my work, my my work phone. I had no idea it was still on there, so it was I, funny. We need to spread the word because uh, last week Adam and I did the episode on ChatGPT, and uh, we actually asked ChatGPT if if it knew who Biffman was, and it did not. So oh. I, think, I think you got to spread it far and wide, Mike. I think I think scandalous. That's tragic. <laughs> exactly well hopefully it knows now hopefully you you trained it of of what biff man is so <laughs> perfect <laughs> so um, what are we talking about today yeah so mike you had a topic you uh you wanted to talk about lots of students were kind of asking you about this uh getting a lot of questions about spousal social security yeah particularly retirement um and this happens every exam uh, cycle. So when that happens, and, and I think, well, this would have a broader appeal for advisors in general, um, and certainly CFP students, then uh, when you ask me to be a guest, then I'm like, well, this is what people have been asking. So that's why it was on my mind. Um, so I just wanted to touch base briefly on a couple of points that, that sometimes get a little confused. Um, regarding particularly social security retirement benefits for um, for spouses. And I thought we would review the basics of that and um, uh, see if that raises any questions for you or any further, you know, further analysis we might do. Um, but yeah, uh, most most advisors and, and even clients are aware that there are spousal uh, benefits available on uh, on their spouse's social security record. And um, they're maybe more aware when there's a large discrepancy between the incomes between between spouses. Um, But it is possible for uh, a current or a former spouse of a worker to claim retirement benefits on that worker's uh, social security record. I mean, if you start studying this, there's a pretty long list of people that can collect on one worker's social security record. You and I have talked about that before um, as one of the challenges uh, to social security financing, but we'll just focus on spouses um, at at this time. And so that indeed is true that uh, a spouse can collect on their spouse's uh, record. uh, But as an advisor and as a client, uh, you know, we need to know, kind of the basics, um, and then seek help <laughs> when you get into this. The best advice we can give on this really is uh, go to Social Security and, and talk to them. They can pull up real-time numbers um, you know, based on exact data, and, and then it's not hearsay from the neighbor or even the advisor. It's just here, talk to Social Security. 
Um, so that's kind of the best advice. Also, uh, really, I think everybody should go to ssa.gov, Social Security's website, and sign up for what's called a My Social Security account. It's real easy to do. It's real quick. And, um, and then one can go in and check on their own Social Security record. It will uh, month to month project your Social Security benefit. Um, and you can also go and look at what the earnings record is because Social Security is going to use the top 35 years of earnings in, in developing that primary insurance amount. Uh, so for any of our listeners that don't have an account, just make that something you do this week is just hop on there and set up an account. And it's kind of interesting to run what if scenarios and things about different retirement uh, ages. Um, so that's the commercial for that. But, um, you know, getting into this, we'll start with the current spouse. So um, spousal benefits, well, really all benefits in Social Security are driven off of one's primary insurance uh, amount. And that primary insurance amount is the um, highest 35 years of earnings that were subject to Social Security tax. And then uh, earlier years are uh, indexed for inflation. And literally, then a monthly average is determined over, over that 35-year period called AIME, Average Index Monthly Earnings. And at one's full retirement age, um, and right now the, the, the longest full retirement age is age 67 for those that were born in 1960 and, and, and beyond. Um, but at full retirement age, the PIA, that primary insurance amount, uh, is the benefit, is, is the retirement benefit. And we've talked about before, I even think on a podcast that that, of course, is reduced for that worker if they choose to take it as early as 62. Um, and for someone with a full retirement age of 67, the benefit at 62 would, would be uh, reduced by 30% permanently. Uh, so you got to be careful with that. Well, a current spouse can claim on uh, their spouse worker's record as early as age 62. Uh, one of the nuances for this is for a current spouse to draw on their spouse worker's record, that spouse worker must be claiming social security benefits. It wasn't always that way. Mm -hmm. Now for a current spouse, the worker has to be claiming benefits for the spouse uh, to claim benefits. Um, but assuming that's the case, then that um, spouse can claim as early as age 62. And that's where one of the points of confusion comes in, as I see it with particularly CFP students, is we have to remember that the top benefit that a spouse can get is 50% of the worker's PIA amount. That's, that's the top end. So if a worker's PIA is $3,000, the most the spouse can get is 1,500 but it would be 1500 only if that spouse claiming has reached their full retirement age. And, and that's important too, when it comes down to choosing whether you're going to claim spouse social security or just your own social security. Right. And is it, is it as easy as like, well, my spouse makes more than double me. So I'm going to choose spouse social security. And if they, if they don't make more than double you, 
then you choose your own or is it more complicated than that? It's more complicated than that um, uh, because the rules changed. Uh, it used to be easier. <laughs> um, and this is, this is a great point you're bringing up. Um, now, when one files for those spousal benefits, um, they also are deemed as filing for their own record. Ah. Uh, there's when they're what's called duly eligible uh, and it's called deemed filing. And so social security, uh, and this is why people just need to talk to social security about this. Um, social security will run both sets of numbers. So if that, if that spouse wanting to claim has their own work record, um, social security is going to run them both. Mm-hmm. And whichever one Will, provides the highest benefit. That's the amount that they're that they're going to get. Um, so it's it, they're not able to draw the spousal benefit and let their own continue to grow. This is particularly critical if they're drawing at sixty-two or anytime prior to their full retirement age, because we've got reduction factors uh, in work there. Um, and it used to be very very popular to just well, I'll take what I can get from my spouse's record, and then I'll switch to my own at full retirement age, but I'm going to let mine continue to build so it's not reduced, right, until full retirement age. Well, Social Security is going to run both of them, and it's as if you're a, you've applied for your own as well, and, um, and, and the total benefit would be the combination of what provides the highest, but both are going to be reduced. So if that spouse's full retirement age is is um, 67 and they want to claim on their spouse's record at 62 in in running both of those benefits social security is going to reduce that um, so that's where it gets a little hairy for um, trying to claim very early on the spouse's record because the top end benefit was going to be 50 percent to begin with right and then you apply the reduction factors and it's reduced down from 50%. So uh, on, a, on the maximum type of reduction, it's going to end up uh, essentially around 30% of their worker spouse's PIA. So if the, if the spouse, because of the deemed filing and running their own numbers as well, if the spouse has any kind of work record, uh, chances are that's the number that's going to be higher if they're down to 30% uh, of uh, their spouse's PIA after those reductions, their own record most likely is going to uh, produce the higher number. Because on their own record, the maximum reduction right now uh, for someone claiming at 62 with an age 67 for retirement age, the maximum reduction is 30%. So on their own record, they'd claim 70%. Mm. But on the spouse, it might be like 32. Oh. So that, that's where you just don't want to take others' advice. and <laughs> You want to go to the source and say, how does this work for me? Right. Social Security. And, and let, let them sort out the numbers looking at your data, your exact work record, your date of birth, your spouses, all of that, because you can really go down the rabbit hole, just listening to everybody else on this. Right. Um, right. So that, that's how that works. And um, so the big nuance here to catch is 
that current spouse can't claim it all unless their worker spouse is claiming benefits. That's a huge caveat. Um, and it's not as simple as, well, I'll draw theirs now and then switch to mine. Um, those reduction factors are always going to be working there. And it may, it's not going to automatically, that full retirement age, move to 50% of the worker spouse's uh, benefits because those reductions would have been in play uh, all along. So you have to be you have to be a little careful there. Um, and then also with clients, um, and, it, and a lot of advisors work with former spouses too. So a former spouse may be eligible to collect benefits on that former spouse worker's record as well. And the, um, the qualifications are a little nuanced for that. The former spouse, couple of things had to have been married to the work, former worker spouse for at least 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, but unlike the current spouse, for the former spouse to claim, um, it doesn't matter whether the worker, the former uh, spouse worker is claiming benefits or not. So the former spouse could claim as, uh, as early as age 62, whether that worker has claimed benefits or not. So that's, kind of an important distinction. And then it also complicates it if there's a child involved too, right? Because <clears throat> I know every time I see a spousal or ex-spouse social security question on the exam, they always like to throw in a, uh, a minor child as a uh, as a little monkey. Right? Excellent point. Excellent point. And that's correct. And it's a whole nother category of benefits. Hmm. And, and, and so as students of this, we have to understand the different categories. The spouse by themselves is a category, um, but a spouse or former spouse caring for a minor child, and 16 is the magical age there, right? Or it could be a child who's disabled. Um, that's a whole nother category, and, and it's looked at separately. Um, and in that case, caring for a minor child or a disabled uh, child, the benefit is not reduced. Oh, uh, that spouse can claim at any age, mm -hmm. um, and it's not reduced down from that top end uh, level benefit. And the child themselves can be eligible for a benefit. So it could be the caretaker spouse, um, and the child themselves drawing a benefit. Yeah, that's so totally different categories. So you're that's a really great point you're raising. Yeah, that's an important distinction you made there too, because I know that trips students up a lot is that the caregiver gets their benefit and then the child themselves gets their own benefit. Correct. And that I've seen trip up students in the past because they didn't realize that those are actually two separate benefits. Yeah, that's funky. Um, and, and, you, you know, and again, talk to Social Security if you're if you got a client like this right now. But um, yeah, you'd want to look at, at at both of those. And then um, this is an important area too because that benefit for that caretaker spouse um, only goes till that child is 16, mm -hmm. um, and then it falls off. And they used to refer to that. I don't know if they still do in practice or not, but that used to be referred to as the uh, blackout period, which would be 
uh, the time from when that child that was under care turned 16 until that spouse's re own retirement age, that's a blackout period. And it was used uh, a lot in life insurance planning to, okay, we, we're, we're going to be in decent shape with Social Security up till the child is 16. But then if you're 55, when this happens, you've got is at a minimum seven years mm -hmm. uh, to draw your own Social Security retirement benefits. So does life insurance need to play a role in the funding through that, uh, that blackout period? And then, you know, and, and this would apply, Jerry, uh, with the child, it's per child. So if yeah. there are three children under 16, they each could be having their own, uh, their own benefit. Um, now, it is subject to an overall cap. There's, there's something called the maximum family benefit. And, and so when we have uh, several people collecting benefits on one worker's record, then they, they do apply a, a maximum family benefit. And loosely that cap is, is between 150 to 180% of the worker's PIA. Um, so it's not unlimited. And, it, and so benefits could be trimmed back if there's enough people collecting that it would exceed that 150 to 180% of the, of, of the PIA. Um, and there's a nuance here too that, that we need to understand. Um, and, and that is the worker's own benefit is never reduced in this scenario. So just because the worker has multiple people collecting on their record, their benefit is not trimmed for that. It's, it's those other folks that are claiming that could be trimmed uh, have their benefit reduced. Um, and, and one important, and this is important for the CFP exam for sure, um, with the exception that former spouse benefits are not included in the math in applying the maximum family uh, benefit. It's set aside. Um, so that, that helps. That somewhat reduces the probability of the rest of the family having their benefits reduced. Okay. So I think that's a pretty good uh, exception to that. So, you know, the main, the main points here are the, the former spouse had to have been married at least 10 years and, and they cannot be remarried yet. Yeah. I was going to say that, that always, <laughs> I see get thrown in on CFP questions that, you know, they meet everything, but then that says they remarry and then it's, yep, immediately out. <laughs> Yeah, on the retirement side. Yes. On on the retirement side, they cannot be remarried. And I guess if there's ever any logic to government stuff, <laughs> um, the logic there is, well, if they've remarried, then they they may qualify for a benefit under their now current spouse. Right. Uh, to be able to claim. That's how I make sense of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's on the CFP exam a lot. And you got to watch for what is their age? Um, is there going to be any reduction factor in play here? Um, and have they remarried? Because on the retirement side, if they have, then the spousal piece is out and they would go to, to their new spouse's benefit record. Those are the exam questions that I tend to see uh, with this. And this, again, is just laser focused on a couple of questions for um, 
particularly for the CFP exam. Yeah, because um, I mean, these are are important because like I said, we see these every single cycle. Every single cycle, we we have students telling us, you know, that they saw spousal uh, tested on. Yeah, and it's just it's just so common just for uh, everyday advisor uh, that they're working with this. I mean, for the most part, I feel that almost a hundred percent of advisors out there touch retirement planning in some way in their work in their day to day work, right? Mm-hmm. And and part of that is uh, is Social Security, and I just think that we owe it to clients to kind of know the basics here know where some of the pitfalls are. Uh, not everybody's going to become an expert on this, but just kind of know some of the red flags and some of the caveats of make sure we consider this, make sure we consider that. Uh, but most importantly, get them connected with Social Security. Uh, and I think that starts with having their own My Social Security account so they can go in. And uh, I, I mean, I'm I'm not that far from retirement uh, at, at my age. And I, but I tell you, Jerry, I look at this all the time, just doing what ifs. And, and I, I'm fascinated by going back and looking at what my highest 35 years. Um, and if your income continues to go up, uh, it's kind of fun to see what the, what, what the, uh, what would we call on the bubble year is that's getting knocked out of the equation yeah, <laughs> uh, you, you know, if in, if this year, if you earn more than you did in, in in any of your 35 highest before, then that that low that low year on the totem pole is getting knocked out. But uh, I just you know, I find you know it's it's interesting given that it's a government thing. Um, I find the website to be pretty intuitive and pretty user friendly to be able to go in and play with it. Yeah, and I, that's just some good advice for our students is. You know, do it for a client. If you're parents, uh, you know, just get on there and kind of mess around with it and get some hands-on experience. And that really kind of goes a long way with understanding this stuff. I agree. And it helps where, you know, clients are often maybe seeking some guidance for when should I claim this, Jerry? Uh, You you know, I I want my money. Um, (laughs) And and that can be the right answer. That and certainly my parents' generation, man. They, I don't know if I, if any of them waited past sixty-two, and they could give a hoot that it was reduced, um, you know, twenty, twenty-five percent. I want uh, my money. Didn't care. I want my money, and uh, and they all claimed it at at sixty-two. Now I think with life expectancies being so much longer. Than, than just even one generation, two generations ago. I think we need to be mindful of what those reductions can be and factor into their life expectancy, health issues, other assets. It's not as easy as, no, get it as soon as you can. Or absolute, now you see more and more media talking about, you should wait to 70. Uh, like, like that's the blanket answer, wait to 70. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it does go up nicely. I mean, once you've reached your full retirement age, the benefit will go up 8% a year, uh, up to age 70. So someone who's age 67 for retirement could have three years of 8% bumps. It'll bump at 24% for life. Yeah. Uh, but the math is more complicated than that because what if I drew it at 62? Uh, where's the break point of where I would have been better off having waited to 70? 
And usually that's in the mid 80s. Mm -hmm. uh, so life expectancy and general health is a factor here. There isn't any, everybody should take it at 62. Everybody should take it at full retirement age or everybody should take it at seven. It's not that simple, but the articles that you read try to make it that simple, that this is what we all should do. And it's just not the case. You got to understand what's going on and evaluate one's unique individual situation before we would be giving that kind of advice. But as I always say, you know, when we visit, I just look at us as educators uh, and, you know, coaches to like, well, you know, let's make sure we look at this and look at that. And then they can make the most informed decision um, that's based on their circumstances and not just what we read out there. Yeah. Well, good stuff, Mike. Definitely important, definitely highly testable, and definitely a topic that we get loads of questions from students on. So I think this is a really useful episode. I'm glad we did it. Yeah, down the road. I mean, I, um, I, I know I harp on it all the time, uh, Social Security. Uh, but, you know, down the road, we should unbundle some of the survivorship stuff sure. uh, as well, because it's different. It's, yeah. it, it's not the same. It doesn't work the same as the retirement. But I think that those sessions should be separated mm -hmm. so that we can just focus on one element uh, but I just don't see any downside in the more that an, uh, the more an advisor could can know about Social Security. I think the better uh, equipped they are to do retirement planning. Great. Well, uh, stay tuned for that in future episodes. If you want more Biff Bites, make sure to check out our archive at uh, BiffBites.com. And if you're planning on sitting for the July or even the November exam, um, you know, feel free to sign up. We still have room in the Biff review. Uh, so come on down if you want to uh, take some classes with us firsthand. Yeah, we'd love to see you and we'd love to study with you. So uh, again, just thanks for, for all the work you're doing on this, Jerry. It's a lot of work to put these together and get them out there. So I appreciate your continuing efforts to, to put them out there and the, and the, and the narrow focus we're having. I kind of like that, that, you know, that these are short, but they're very focused. So hopefully you can absorb, the listeners can absorb the most information in the shortest amount of time. Short and sweet. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Mike. Always a pleasure having you on here. And we'll see you all next week. See you later. Biff Man out. <laughs>